Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center, this is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, presented by Tequila Embajador. We're going to go right back out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. You could follow him at Tampa Bay Trey. All right, real quick before we get uh, to uh, football stuff, explain the Twitter handle, my man. <laughs> well, the Twitter handle, actually, uh, it is related to football. So technically, we are starting off with football. Uh, okay. I started my career I started my career covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm from just south of the Tampa Bay area. And uh, so it was uh, something that I felt rolled off the tongue very well. Name's Trevor. And so just Tampa Bay Trey, I feel like it flowed very well. And uh, honestly... It's just stuck. I feel like it's almost like an alter ego every time I log on to Twitter, and so that's kind of how it stuck around. I like it. I like it. Well, since we started with Tampa Bay, let's stay uh, with Tampa Bay. Big game for the Buccaneers uh, over at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles on Sunday. I know I'm going to keep one eye on that game while I'm covering the Raiders against the Miami Dolphins here in Las Vegas. Um, you know, two teams that a lot of people – are predicting could very well see each other in the NFC Championship game, which makes a matchup like this so critically important because, you know, don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but this game could ultimately decide who has home field advantage in the biggest game in the season before heading to one of those teams heading to the Super Bowl. How do you see that game playing out? Yeah, absolutely, and, and I'm one of those people that subscribe to that. I thought during the season this was my pick for the NFC Championship game, so I really do. I don't think that this is the last time that we're going to see the Bucks and the Rams play against each other, whether it's going to be in that NFC Championship game or whether it ends up being sooner um, in the divisional round. I think they're going to see each other multiple times because these are two of the best teams in the NFC uh, that that conference has to offer. And it's going to be a slugfest, right? I mean, like you look at what happened last year between – the Buccaneers and the Rams, and it was a tight one. The Rams ended up coming victorious, and that was part of that little spurt that Tampa Bay really fluttered. They got to 7-5 and five last year, and everybody said, oh, man, this is not the year that we thought that we were going to see from the Buccaneers with Brady, and uh, what did that end up being? It just ended up being a fire right underneath them that led them all the way to the Super Bowl. And so I think that everybody, both parties involved, they remember what happened last year. I think on the Rams' side, they remember going up against the Tampa Bay team and it being pretty tight, but knowing that that wasn't the best version of the Buccaneers. And so I don't think the Rams are sleeping on this at all whatsoever. I think they're going to be only more motivated for this game because they know that they're going to get an even better Buccaneers team than the one they were able to best last year. And then for the Bucs, of course, it's revenge in the short term, and then it's, it's getting to know an opponent that could very well be a playoff foe in a couple of months. And so I think this is going to be a tight one. It's, it's two of the best teams in the NFL. I'm very excited to see what Matthew Stafford's going to do as the quarterback for the Rams this weekend because I really do think that with this being so early, there are some plays that the Rams have not showed us yet that they're going to unveil and that they have been getting ready for Tampa Bay specifically, that they're able to run now with Stafford at the helm as opposed to Jared Goff. And so that's probably the thing that I'm looking forward to the most. How creative is this offense going to be now that they have Matthew Stafford? And I think you're going to see a unchained, a fully, fully functional Rams offense and the best version of what they want to be this upcoming Sunday. Trevor, what, if anything, have you seen different out of Tampa um, uh, in, in their play? I haven't had a chance to watch their games, but I know that their offense is moving along like it was last year, and their defense needs to be shut out. It's the same team. What, what have you seen this year? 
Well, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the same stuff, right? And you would expect that similarly with a team that brings back not just all of their starters, but it's mostly the same depth players as well, those key rotational guys. It's truly unprecedented what they were able to do bringing them back. And I really do feel like it's just a more confident unit. Now, the biggest thing with the Buccaneers is going to be health. And that's kind of a duh, obvious point with every team in the NFL, but Tampa was relatively lucky. They actually, this is not relatively, they were very lucky. They were, they were injury free almost last year, especially when it came down to the stretch. And so, you know, you're looking at a couple of injuries they have. Sean Murphy bunting their starting corner. He's out. Carlton Davis is a little banged up. Jordan Whitehead, their other safety, he's been banged up as well. We're seeing the JPP, Jason Pierre Paul is probably not going to play this upcoming week. And so that's to me really the biggest wild card that goes into this team because you look at what they were able to accomplish last year, and you have to honestly say that, yeah, of course, this is a team that has the ability and the recipe, if you will, to win a Super Bowl. But I think the biggest thing out of their control is that health factor. And so it all just matters if they're going to be healthy down the stretch. But, you know, when it comes to matchups like this one against the Rams, you know, they're not going to have a couple of their guys that I think are really key components. And I think that that certainly goes into it. But when you look at the rest of it, Offensive line's playing really well. Those those offensive weapons are clicking even better than they were last year. The running game's fine, but it doesn't need to be much more than that. Front seven's great. Linebackers are great. Coverage is good when they're healthy. There's no doubt about it. This team's got the ingredients to win another Super Bowl if they get to it. We're talking to Trevor Sikama from Pro Football Focus. You could follow him at Tampa Bay Trey uh, on, on Twitter. Uh, Trevor, I want to take you uh, back about a month ago. I'm in Los Angeles. The Raiders are having joint practices with the Rams. So I'm driving around in traffic, uh, very used to that uh, in Southern California, and I'm listening to some local sports radio in Los Angeles. And the conversation was Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr. And from the Los Angeles perspective, they were debating, is Matthew Stafford and Derek Carr just kind of the same guy? Because they were going through their stats over their careers, and they were – eerily similar uh, for both quarterbacks when you look at their numbers. And I got this, the sense that they were asking that question in sort of a not glowing way. It was like, did the Rams just really trade for Derek Carr? Look at the stats of Matthew Stafford. Look at Derek Carr's uh, stats. They're kind of similar. I think if you ask that question now, it would take on completely different context. Like, it would be in very glowing terms. But the point being... And I'm going to ask you this. Are they more similar than we think? You know, that's actually a really interesting way to bring about the conversation with these two guys because I really do think that both of them are underrated. And I say that meaning certainly during Matthew Stafford's time in Detroit, he was not exactly surrounded with the best cast, right? And I think that that's been the biggest thing that's been holding Matthew Stafford back because I think this guy does have an elite arm. I really do. And I think that he's got a special arm, and I think that a couple of years were really wasted with the things that he was had to deal with when he was in Detroit. Now, on the flip side with Derek Carr, I think that Derek Carr has played really well, but the Raiders haven't really gotten over that hump, if you will, and I think it was the defense that was really holding them back for a while. So both of these guys are viewed in a, in, a, in a strange light, I think an underrated light going into the season, but now I think that they're probably viewed in the same light in a much better way. And so right. that's a really interesting way to set that up, but I don't totally disagree with it. But it's also, I want to make sure that I'm saying, 
it's not that surprising. Like, when people go, oh, wow, hell of a year Derek Carr's having this year, huh? I'm like, yeah, he's a good quarterback. You know, you surround him with the right things. You give him a decent uh, receiving group to go to. You give him a good defense behind him. And, man, the Raiders' defense is playing on fire so far, especially that front four. They've been unbelievable. This is the recipe you get. You're able to get a lot of favorable results, and I think that the same can be said with Matthew Stafford, right? I mean, you see him. Now he's with McVay's offense. Things are coming a lot easier. He's not having to be Superman on every throw to really make a miracle happen to move the Lions offense down the field. No, 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 that's not happening anymore. And so I think that as strange as it is to say, it's appropriate that we're talking about these guys the same, except for now, two weeks into the season, I think it's a a more appropriate light, a more appropriate theme of the conversation the way we're comparing them than it was before, like you said, that might have been negative before the season started. What are your thoughts, Trevor, about the Dolphins? I know that that two is down, but with Jacoby Brissett and that offensive line issues, your thoughts about the Dolphins as they take on the Raiders on Sunday? Oh, boy. Okay, so this matchup uh, could be a really long day for the Miami Dolphins. We're two weeks in, and and the Miami Dolphins have the 32nd-ranked offensive line according to Pro Football Focus, and for everybody keep a score at home, there's only 32 teams in the NFL, so that means that they are dead last. On the flip side, there has been no better pass-rushing front four in the NFL than the Las Vegas Raiders. And so it is a recipe that should absolutely yield a stunning Raiders defensive performance. Obviously, you have the backup quarterback coming in. It's not even two that's there, and it could be a really long day for that Dolphins offense going up against that Raiders defense. I really do think that that's going to be the difference maker for the game. It's going to be fun on the other side of the ball, right, because you've got Derek Carr playing some of his best ball, going up against a Miami defense coached by Brian Flores, taking the identity of their head coach. They are a fast, fiery defense, and I think that that's going to be the side of the ball that you want to watch because, oh, boy, Max Crosby, Yannick Ngagwe, the rest of that group, and they might feast on a Dolphins offensive line that has not played well so far this season. You know, uh, Trevor, I understand the words that you're saying. All those words, all uh, English, and I can comprehend them. But when you start talking about Raiders defensive line as a dominant group so far, that's where it's kind of hard to wrap our heads around it here uh, in Las Vegas after watching what happened last year. There's a unit that had 14 sacks last season total. It's almost embarrassing for a defensive line to only have 14 sacks through the course of a season. But you're right. They are playing better, and they made a point. They made it a point of emphasis during the offseason to make sure that that was going to be the case. Unique Ngakwe, Quinton Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, Darius Phylon, Max Crosby doing everything that he did to become a better player. Um, drafting Malcolm Koontz. So there's a lot of reasons to really like this defensive line, but are you surprised at how quickly it's come together and how dominant, really, they are? I know it's just two games, and it is the Raiders, and you have to be a little bit skeptical that it's going to stay that way for the rest of the season. But after two games, it's a pretty darn good unit. Yeah, well, you know, I'm I'm most surprised, honestly, that they're doing all of this without Cleland Furl, right? Because he was supposed to be the guy who is spearheading this charge, and instead it's it's picking up Yannick Ngakwe, who has bounced around the league. Where he's been talented, he's bounced around the league, and now he's obviously settled in very nicely. It's Max Crosby, who's been an unbelievable draft steal for them. And so where I'm not exactly... I won't say that I'm shocked that the pass rush has taken a step up. I'm surprised that it's taken a step up the way that it has. I mean, you look at some other stats that we have at PFF. 
the Raiders have the fewest amount of blitz called in the NFL through two weeks. They have only three. Three blitz calls through two weeks, and yet they're a top 10 team when it comes to total pressures generated. And so that tells me that not only are you getting home, you're getting home with four. That's That shows you talent. That shows you resilience and a step up. And that's the sign of a really great defensive line, one that is not uh, predicated on throwing extra bodies at the pockets, overwhelming the offensive linemen. No, they're rushing with four, and they're getting home. And I think that anytime you have that as your recipe and it is succeeding, you give your defense behind you a chance to really compete against anybody. And I think that that's right now the biggest strength for the Raiders, no doubt. Trevor, last one for me. The Chargers take on the Chiefs this weekend. And in the past, the Chargers have given the Chiefs some problems. How do you think this one's going to play out? Yeah, it's going to be a tight divisional game, right? And, I mean, you you mentioned it there. The Chargers have always played this team tough. And uh, even though the Chiefs are who we know that they are, any divisional game, it's going to be difficult, right? I mean, like, look how tight the Raiders played the Chiefs last year. It's just when you have a team in the division and you know them really well, anything can happen, even against the quote-unquote best offense in the NFL, one of the best teams in the NFL. And I'm really looking forward to this one because, it's Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert now fully solidified as two of the best young arms in the game. And it's going to be, I think, the Chiefs clearly trying to score as many points as they can with their offensive weapons. But on the other side, that Chargers offense ain't no slouch, right? Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, they've got Josh Palmer. They've got so many different options there for Justin Herbert to throw the ball to. I think it's going to be a slugfest. I think it's going to be a lot of points, and that's going to be an absolutely exciting game. And so I really don't know. I think it's closer to a coin flip than a lot of people think. I know the Chiefs are coming off a loss, so to think that they would drop two games in a row uh, is is pretty sacrilegious to believe. But the schedule is what it is, and now they're getting a a hungry, tough Chargers team that can score a lot of points on you. We're talking to Trevor Sykema from PFF, Pro Football Focus. You can follow him at Tampa Bay uh, Trey, just as it sounds. Uh, Trevor, I want to bring you back to the Raiders' defense uh, and a guy by the name of Jonathan Abram. you know, last year I, I subscribed to Pro Football Focus, so I'm always looking at where Raiders are ranked. Um, I might have had to go to page four uh, to find Jonathan Abram in your positional grades. And I don't even think there was a page four, to be honest with you. But that's probably where you had to go to find Jonathan Abram. He was that bad last year, uh, unfortunately. I'm not trying to throw him under the bus, but his grade was – I think he might have been – the lowest graded safety uh, in the NFL or the second lowest uh, graded safety in the NFL. He switched positions. He's still listed as a safety, but he's playing in the box. Um, From my vantage point, he's playing well. He's playing efficient. He's playing pretty smart and under control. Uh, I know that you guys have listed him now as a linebacker, I believe, um, because of where he's being lined up. But could you talk about how he's kind of turned it around a little bit uh, in this new scheme with these new responsibilities uh, and maybe all you know, starting to show what the Raiders might have seen in him as a first-round pick back in 2019. Uh, yeah, he's playing a ton of action in the box, right? And I think that that's what you like because he's, he's, he's an aggressive tackler. I think he's somebody who loves physicality, but I think the coverage was always the issue with him, right? You know, you mentioned his PFF grade last year. His PFF grade, I believe it was a 35 overall grade, and I'm not so sure. I, I don't know if that was the lowest grade, but if it wasn't the lowest, it was close. And I think the big reason for that is because he had a 30.1 grade in coverage, and that was the big Achilles heel for him. But when it came to pass rush and run defense, both of those grades are above 60. They're somewhere between 60 and 75, I think, consistently throughout the season. And so if you're using this guy a lot more in the box, if you want to use him as more of like a speed dime kind of linebacker, I think that's more suited to what he's able to do, or at least it gets his strengths 
out more and also is able to, I think, mask his weaknesses by where you're playing him. And so the Raiders have had a linebacker need anyways, and so it makes a little bit of sense for them to try and get ahead of the curve by playing these linebackers, right? I mean, we've seen guys like Isaiah Simmons, Kyle Duggar, Jeremy Chin, right? These guys who are these pseudo linebacker safety players who are just these athletes that you want to either get in the box or maybe drop back to confuse a defense. If you start using Jonathan Abram there, I think, look, he's got to be better at coverage. I don't think there's any way around it. It's not like you can play him there and all of a sudden he's fixed. But he seems to be handling things a lot better this time around. Coverage grades is 62.8 this season, which is, of course, better than what he had last year. It's better than what he had in 2019 as well. If he were to hold that coverage grade, that would be a career high. So, however they're deploying him, clearly a lot more comfortable obviously very early into the season, but he's a guy who, yeah, you love the athleticism, you love the physicality, but he's got to be able to play a position where he's not getting you in trouble and you're getting the most out of what he could do for you. And it seems like they've got a pretty good spot here because across the board it looks like he's got some career numbers if he can hold these numbers when it comes to our grading. And so um, that's just a good sign that he's in a better spot this year. Last question for you, Trevor. I know it's just two games. There's obviously 15 more games left to play. That's a long uh, season. Um, but based on what you've seen so far and what this defense, you know, how it's been constructed, who's the coach, um, how they've played so far, barring any injuries, um, major injuries, is there any worry or concern that they're going to deviate to the wrong side uh, significantly uh, anytime soon? Or do you feel like this is sustainable? Well, I think that it is sustainable. It's just a matter of will it happen, right? I mean, when you look at the Raiders last year, there were some highs. There were some games where they were really competing, right? Those games against the Chiefs, it looked like, you know, they were, they were taking the best team in the NFL to the wire, and they were, just, they were just going toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the NFL. And so when it comes to the highs, I feel like it's always been there for the Raiders, but the thing is consistency. And I think the biggest thing for the Raiders is beating the opponents that you know you should beat, right? It's the NFL. It's tough. You've got really tight competition no matter who you are playing, but I felt like the Raiders were always able to get up for the big opponents, but they weren't able to put away the play, the, the teams that they probably should have beat, honestly, especially given the performances against some of those better teams. And so to answer your question, is it sustainable? Yes, it is. But consistency against even some of the lower-tier teams in the NFL, that's been the Achilles heel of the, Ra- or the Raiders, if you will, I believe, under John Gruden. And so you've got to find out whether or not that's more sustainable this year, whether that's something that they can be uh, every single week, week in and week out. Because if they do, playoffs are certainly on the table for this team. I know it's a competitive division. I know everybody's written off the Chiefs is already taking uh, that division title. But there's plenty of playoff spots uh, to get, especially with seven guys in the playoffs this year. And so the Raiders are certainly in that conversation. It's just a matter of can they be consistent enough throughout the year. Trevor Sikama, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Great uh, stuff, great insight. Uh, Truly appreciate it. Uh, Again, you could follow him at Tampa Bay Trey and just go to Pro Football Focus uh, and and, and pay the subscription because trust me when I say it's truly, truly worth it. Trevor Sikama, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Have a great day, brother. Appreciate it, guys. Anytime. You got it. That was Trevor Sigma from Pro Football Focus. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Just a quick reminder, I'll be over at the Treasure Island uh, tomorrow at the Golden Circle Sportsbook. So uh, 4 to 6 p.m. If you're nearby, come on by. Uh, great food, great drinks, lots of sports uh, up on the televisions. And, of course, uh, if you want to have a little uh, fun, a uh, little action on the games, the Sportsbook is right there. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a great place. So uh, 4 to 6 p.m. tomorrow, uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island. And then on Saturday... Over at uh, the Rockstar Bar and Grill starting at 5 p.m., Q Myers and myself will be uh, there meeting with uh, Raider fans, live music. Raiderhead's going to be there again. Uh, we got great drinks, great food, uh, great music. There'll be a DJ, uh, giveaways. Uh, so remember, this is the tradition. Uh, we're getting it started. Uh, that's the day before every Raider home game over at the Raider, uh, or excuse me, ever at uh, Rockstar Bar and Grill. So join us 5 o'clock, watch some great football, I think. Notre Dame's playing Wisconsin, plenty of other great games uh, that'll be up on the TVs. Uh, so come join us and continue uh, the tradition. We're going to go right out to the Raider Nation listener line. Raider Reptile is on the line. Raider Reptile, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, Vinny. How's it going, Lincoln? Um, so I know we were talking about the run game, and as a fan, I'm happy with what's going on. It's great, but I do know the run game is important. Uh, the one thing that I like, you know, about the Steelers game is Gruden didn't try to force the run too often. You know, I feel like in the past he would try to establish it by any means possible, but he's just kind of trusting Carr just to take uh, ownership in the offense. I was concerned uh, there was a play towards the end of the game where uh, Kenyon Drake was running east and west instead of north and south, and I think we had a punt on that turn. So it's funny. We always talk about, oh, the defense, but, oh, why are we running the ball? Every fan I know was, was thinking – you know, at that game, why are we running the ball? Because this wasn't working. Uh, but the one thing I think it's not talked about too enough is, I mean, Derek Carr did two quarterback sneaks that game. It's not something I'm used to seeing a whole lot from him, being that he's not a big quarterback. And it's it's kind of concerning sometimes when you do that uh, with a quarterback like Carr. I remember the Mahomes, you know, quarterback sneak when he got injured. So especially him having that ankle, you know, something to think about. So they really got to think about the short field situations. Um, I really think they should get Rugs more involved in that with the jet sweeps, uh, the screens. I mean, maybe even hand him off the ball a couple times, you know, do something fancy, some Andy Reid-like stuff. But I don't know if Gruden's going to, you know, kick a new school like that. But also maybe get Alec Ingold involved, man. I mean, can he get us some three yards? You know, he's, he's, a, he's a bulldozer. I don't, he's not quick and, you know, like a running back traditionally is. But I'd like to see some of that go on. Uh, so just wanted to put that out there. Because uh, I don't know how we're going to handle those situations, especially now that car's a little ginger. What do you guys think? A little, oh, uh, well, a little banged up. Oh, go ahead, Lincoln. Yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to say that they did do the jet sweep to to Henry Ruggs. They they've done it the past two games, I think, uh, or one was a reverse and the other one was a jet sweep in Pittsburgh. And they have used Alec Ingo. The problem essentially becomes when they go with Ingold into the game and they have their two tight end sets. Conversely, these defenses load up. Because they know that you're, you're, they're expecting a power run, so they've tried to, you know, uh, outflank them, you know, do something like Spider Two, where they, where they uh, mislead them with a little play action. So all those things that you're talking about, he's done. Uh, it's just um, it, it hasn't been consistent enough. So they're they're finding ways to get the ball to Rugs and Edwards, 
we had these conversations last year with fans when they were talking about, and they, they, they so far they've been able to do it. Yeah, and another thing, uh, Lincoln, you're not going to show – it's like every game is a little bit different. And, uh, you know, I know fans want to do everything, every single game. Sometimes you don't have to. And sometimes the matchups and the defensive look uh, dictates some of what you're going to do and obviously where the ball goes uh, as well. Trust me, there's stuff that the Raiders have that no need to use it right now. Just like Lincoln talking about those uh, the blitzes. They've blitzed three times in two games, which is uh, – uh, you know, astronomically low number, and yet they're still getting pressure on the quarterback. You know what that does, Lincoln? They have it in their back pocket. They know that they have it, and they've practiced it, and they 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 they're confident in it. And at and at some point, they're going to drop it on somebody, and it's going to be something that maybe is not even on film yet. So it's it's something that you have in the playbook. You'll use when you feel like you need, but there's no need to just do it just for the sake of doing it especially when you're not putting that stuff on film right now. So, um, well, Most of the game plans have been pretty vanilla on defense, I mean, in the sense because they've gotten production out of their defensive front. But we did see the nickel blitz a couple times during preseason, so we know it's apparent they, that they have it. We also seen a, I also seen a boundary corner blitz. I, I know they have it, but as you mentioned, they don't, you don't need it because your defense has been productive playing normal. Yep, absolutely. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line, Raider Dave in Denver. How you doing, Raider Dave? Raider Dave, are you with us? All right. Uh, back out to the listener line. Joe is in Los Angeles. How you doing, Joe? I'm good. Thank you. Uh, so I have a concern about Derek's ankles. You know, if anybody who's ever suffered any ankle injuries, you know, any little tweak, uh, you know, your injury or your previous injury can go south. And I know Derek's a competitor. I know he's strong-willed, and he feels this need to be out there and compete, um, especially that we essentially don't have a backup except for Peterman. And I'm just concerned about that just because I think, do we sacrifice one game, let him rest, because we have a full season. And so I, I know that he was out there practicing, and he said he's feeling good, but I think we all know that when it comes to an ankle injuries. Uh, especially it looked really severe that Sunday, that there has to be some caution into this. And I don't know what you or Lincoln think about that. Well, I mean, you gotta, you can't play scared, Lincoln. Uh, you, you, you have to play the game. You have to, the, the goal is to win it. The, object, the objective is to win it. And uh, I'm not so sure, unless you're just literally protecting an injury where you know flat out, that we're going to have to coach uh, around this in, uh, injury. I don't expect that that's going to be the case with uh, with, with Derek. But to me, I I never play scared. I would never play scared. No, you well, it's it's not necessary. Look, Derek walked off on his own accord after the ankle was hurt. After he was down on the field, he came back and finished the game. As you mentioned, he practiced today. If we learned anything about Derek Carr, he's going to play. I mean, look at last year when he supposedly had the groin. It was supposed to be down for two weeks. He played the following week. He's going to play. So, you know, you, you, you don't play scared. You don't play cautious. And if it was it, – look, if it was really that bad, they wouldn't have had him practice. They wouldn't have had him, you know, even look into play. So um, I understand what the caller was saying, but at the same point, you can't, you can't overly protect everyone. Everyone's going to be banged up a little sore. You just have to do what you can moving forward. But, you know, Derek has shown that he's going to play. Yeah, and a lot of times when you play scared, that's when something actually happens. Something else happens, yep. yep. Yeah, it's just, it's just a um, – 
I don't know. It's it's uncanny how uh, how that sometimes happens. Uh, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in a good friend of both of ours. Uh, Willie Ramirez covers uh, everything in Las Vegas, uh, and specifically right now, uh, the Raiders. I see him pretty much on a daily basis over at the Raiders practice facility, which is exactly where I am right now. Uh, you can follow him at Willie G. Ramirez. Uh, he covers the Raiders and everything else for the Associated Press here in Las Vegas. How are you doing, Willie? What's up, my guys? How are you? We are doing good. Um, Link, well, how are you? Wonderful, Willie. How about yourself, bud? <laughs> oh, you know, just uh, gearing up for Sunday. Well, that's I know. Wor- I know. We all are. <laughs> exactly. And let's let's start right there, uh, Willie. The Raiders beat two teams that a lot of people didn't think that they were capable of uh, of beating. If you look at the betting lines and all that, the odds makers. Uh, the Raiders were decidedly underdogs in both of those games. Now we come to a game where they're the decided favorites uh, to win this game. Uh, do you expect any psychological setback, any psychological letdown? Because now all of a sudden that shoe is on the other foot for the Raiders. Well, I, I don't because, you know, I think that we're only two in, so it's, it's too easy to jump the gun and, and say that everything, you know, all, all the little issues and the problems from last year have been worked out because we don't know that yet. You can't, it's, it's too soon to tell. But all the signs are there in that the mental aspect of this team and the players have really taken a turn for the right direction in everything that they're doing. Whereas, you know, last year's 2-0 starts, like I, I just finished my story for the Associated Press, on and I think you and I sort of had the same angle today and sort of you know uh you wrote about Perryman but I wrote about Gus Bradley's disciples that are now here a part of this unit but you know I, I summarized it best at the end where they can they can start 3 and 0 for the first time since 2002 when they opened the season 4 and 0 but we all heard John Gruden say yesterday that hey we had a 2 and 0 year last year and it's not where you line up it's where you wind up and that they're just hoping to win the game and stay in the hunt. And I think what he means is that, you know, nobody wants to jump the gun and um, and someone have a letdown with a team that's coming in with a chip on its shoulder. You know, that it's, it's banged up now, missing its starting quarterback, and it's going to want to prove a point. It came in here last year and played this team very tough and, and, and stole a victory. So, you know, I think there's a lot of emotion driving into this game, and I think that the Raiders have to continue to play – um, how they've been playing and stay mentally strong and still play uh, as one, one whole unit. And and I think that's what they've done a good job with, with the leaders they brought in to sort of help strengthen the youth on this team. Willie, how's it been the energy around practice that you've seen around the team, you know, coming off of a, two big wins, being in the position? How do, you, how do you measure the energy that you've seen out in the facility to practice? I see it. Be, I see it really cohesive, and, and it's it's been consistent since OTAs. I think, and that's been the biggest word that's been used throughout the facility, throughout the roster, throughout the coaching staff is energy. And I think that you know you already have that with a guy like Gruden. You can hear him probably driving through the drive-through at Starbucks up the street from from the facility, and you know mid practice. But Gus Bradley. The energy that this guy brings, it's so contagious. I love watching him go from station to station and just observing and getting in there and, and talking with the guys and making them feel positive rather than breaking them down and telling them what they're doing wrong. He's sort of just 
telling them how to correct things in the in the right manner. And and you rarely see that. You just see you see other guys working with other guys. And it's like KJ Wright said yesterday, and Perryman said today, is that. Um, and I think uh, Vinny, you brought this out of them. Is that the younger guys' willingness to learn and listen to what everybody's saying has kept that energy flow in a positive manner? And that is why, you know, I have used this point time and time again. I've sounded like a broken record on on radio in that last year I felt that there were too many pinpointed keys to the defense, keys to this, keys to that, where. There's really no keys. They're, they're, they bring and they point out, they bring up somebody or they point somebody out, but it's not that they're all relying on that person. You know, this person's done a good job. This, this person stood out. This person made a key play. But it's all as one unit. There's nobody depending on one specific person, and I think that's why this energy level is staying at an even keel, but also – at the right high level, at the right moment. It builds throughout the week. They can't wait to get in Allegiant. They can't wait to play for the fans. They can't wait to play for one another. We're talking to Willie Ramirez uh, from the Associated Press here in Las Vegas. You could follow him at Willie G. Ramirez. Uh, Willie, um, staying on the defensive side of the ball, uh, and specifically that defensive line, um, I think everyone that went to OTAs and, and uh, you know, to the beginning of training camp, we all saw something looked different about Max Crosby. He was in fantastic shape, and I know people are like, well, he's an NFL player. He should be in great shape. Yeah, there's great shape, and then there's extraordinary shape. And to me, Max Crosby just like looked cut, ready to go, uh, was flying yeah. all over the field, was also a very vocal leader, um, and he's certainly taken that into uh, this season. Can you talk about what your – uh, impressions were of Max going all the way back to last spring. Well, I think with Max, you know, his his one of the biggest things that he's emphasized, and you've seen it, is when he says in great shape, and you're and you're you're one hundred percent right. Is fans just think, well, they're professional athletes, of course they're in, professional athletes, of course they're going to be in great shape. But inside, right, you know when you have that extra pep in your step, you know when you have that explosion you know the conditioning that you are put through in order to get off the line quick, get past the, you know, your, your blocker, um, in, in, in being able to do certain things. There may be tiny little intangibles to your conditioning that disallow you to do something. You know, and that's with any one of us. You know what I mean? As a writer, are you mentally conditioned? Are you, are you tired? Are you this? Are you that? We're, we're all professional writers. Link knows this is a former professional football player. We're always going to be in shape to do our job, but it's those little intangibles that allow you to do it better, and that's what Max worked on. And, of course, we now know about his story of, of, of being in recovery and, and becoming better. So mental clarity as well with a lot of these guys. They've spoken. They've been outspoken. A lot of these guys have been very outspoken of their mental clarity and how they've gotten better and healed themselves from a mental aspect to maintain, going back to Lincoln's comment, of that and energy and get, get on everybody's same zen, if you will. That is where he's saying that he's better, I think, in better shape and in better condition is from head to toe, inside and out. And that's where I've seen it. And you see it with those defensive line drills at the beginning of practice where they're just exploding right off the jump and they're there for one another. And that's where I think you see Max. He's happy. He's energetic. 
Um, you hear everybody else talk to him and uh, talk about him during press conferences, and they feed off of what he offers. So I think that that's, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with his mental aspect as much as it does his physical game. Willie, last one for me. What has Gruden said about the, the inconsistencies with the run game? Well, I think that he knows that there's, you know, obviously you're missing Josh Jacobs. Um, and I think that he, he he understands and he appreciates the, the offensive line issues that are taking place. And I think an extension of the rushing game is the swing passes that they're able to use Kenyon Drake for. You got him just, you know, stepping a few yards off to the right, car dumping it off, setting up screen passes, being able to set up those little uh, pass plays, that becomes their rushing game. So I, I, I don't think that he's necessarily concerned just yet because he's been able to use the depth of receivers, that wide receiver room that we spoke of during uh, preseason, just waiting to see when we saw Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs explode. Um, we saw it the last game. You know, the first game, obviously, those, that first half, everyone's looking, going, okay, you got someone else besides Darren Waller. Let's, let's, let's turn it up. And then we saw it in the second game. So I think while he has the passing game working and, and things are clicking at the right time with timely big plays, I asked him that yesterday, do you enjoy calling those big plays? It's got to make you fun. He said, yeah, but I enjoy plays that work, whether it's short-yarded situations, you know, up the gut, Big plays, obviously you get excited when you, hit, when, you, when you call a big play and it works. But for now, while the, uh, while the offensive line is sort of in a, in, in a flux situation and they're, they're patchworking it together, but yet they're working as hard as they can, which we asked uh, Greg Olson about today, Tom Cable doing his best with what they have, the personnel, I think that he's, he's just being patient at this point and working with the cards that he's been dealt. Uh, you know, that's up and down the, co- the coaching staff. Yeah, no question. Uh, Willie, last question uh, for you. Is there any, co- any, any pause, any reason for anyone to be worried or concerned, uh, especially defensively, that the Raiders aren't going to be able to sustain um, what they've done thus far? I'm not saying that they're going to play as good uh, the rest of the year or game in and game out, um, but – I think Raider Nation is, a, you know, th- th- there's always that concern. There's always that skepticism that the, sh- that the shoe might, uh, 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 the other shoe might fall, uh, and that they would deviate too far to the other side. Do you get the sense that that's um, in the realm of possibility? Well, I think anything's possible because we're still in week three, and after you see what they've done the last couple of seasons in the second half of the campaign, that's always going to be a concern. You're going to sit there. I mean, last year they were six and two. They looked great. They, you know, they. They they uh they had beaten Kansas City. I mean they 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 had pulled off some wins that you didn't think, just like they just did to start this season. And then they turn around and they close the they close out uh, you know and they end up eight and eight. So I think that that's in the back of your mind. And I think right now the only thing you could possibly equate to a collapse of a, a, a major collapse after what we've seen through the first two weeks is going to be injuries. And this team has been decimated with injuries when it comes to the offensive line. So anything's possible when it comes to injuries. As far as just a collapse of the defense falling apart and stop and stopping not being able to do what it's been doing, I don't see that happening. Are they going to have their lulls? Are they going to have to face Kansas City at some point? Yes. Possibly, you know, the Chargers offense. Yes. Uh, division rivals, obviously. But 
when you have a guy like Gus Bradley that he's brought in the components that he's brought and he's and this this unit has improved dramatically. Let's not forget last season the Raiders allowed a, thir- a league third highest twenty nine point nine points per game. Their stop unit had the third worst third down efficiency. Right now that defense is tied for tenth, allowing twenty two points. It ranks seventh in third down efficiency. This is an improved defense that's playing well because of what Gus Bradley's been able to do, the people that he's brought together. I don't see a major collapse outside of injuries. I do think that they're going to have some lulls at some point during the season. Everybody does. But I think that there is reason for hope and there should be optimism that the defense can hold strong and be consistent through a 17-game season and maybe have three or four rough patches. But for the most part, it should hold up as long as it stays healthy. There you go. Willie Ramirez is calling for the playoffs for the just kidding, just kidding. I, I do did call. Th- hey, I predicted the playoffs. I did predict the playoffs. <laughs> I did too. So- and uh they they are definitely showing signs um or the necessary signs of a playoff team, but like you said, got to stay got to stay healthy, got to avoid major injuries uh and 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 stay that course, but uh, there's no question that they're headed in the right direction. Like anybody, they got to stay healthy. Willie Ramirez, thank you so much for spending some time with us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. You know that. Thanks, Willie. I'll see you guys. We'll see you Sunday. Absolutely. Take care. That's Willie Ramirez from the Associated Press here in Las Vegas. Uh, Not only does he do a good job, he's a fun dude to hang out with. Uh, I'm not going to make his head too big, but uh, it is actually kind of fun to hang out with Willie in the uh, the media room, on the practice field, in the press box, uh, the whole nine yards. It helps when you work with uh, people that that you can actually tolerate. And definitely Willie is one of those dudes. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor and Lincoln Kennedy, brought to you by Tequila Embajador Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m. on a Thursday. Interact with the show. Text Vinny and Lincoln on the Sam and Ash text line at 69187 or tweet them at Vinny Bonsignor and at LKennedy72. This is In the Huddle with Vinny Bonsignor and Lincoln Kennedy on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Lincoln, uh, before we get to the callers, we have a whole bunch of them, and we're going to get to all of them. Uh, somebody asked on Twitter the other day if Drake is has surpassed Michael Jackson in terms of impact and popularity. I'm, what? I'm yeah, yeah, exactly. What? First of all, look, you know, Michael Jackson was a, tr- a tremendous uh, uh, performer. I've seen grown men cry at his concerts. Right. I've never seen uh, anybody cry at Drake's concerts. Like he, he, <laughs> and he, he dwarfs them in all record sales and all that. I mean, I know that Drake is great, and and uh, I'm I'm a fan. And I'm not saying this. You're not. I'm not a hater when I say don't ever really compare him to Michael Jackson in terms of impact yeah. and things like that. Come on, mm. you got do your homework. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> I was just thinking about Michael Jackson because there was always the who's better between he and Prince, and Prince was fantastic, and obviously oh. uh, they were just icons. Anyway, out to the Raider Nation listener line. Mitch is in New Jersey. How you doing, Mitch? And by the way, I'll take John Foley's music over any of both those guys. That's, <laughs> just, right. that's just me. It's all about opinion. It's all good music. Yep, yeah, absolutely. What do you got, Mitch? Um. I tell you, I, you know, I'm, I'm beginning to like this Renfro. This is going like, to remind me of uh, Blankenkopf. And Rogues can pick it up like Branch. They could come pretty close. I'm not going to put in the Hall of Fame yet. Um, but that's that's just me. And you think, um, Lincoln, maybe, 
Well, you might know Vince. You think that they'll betray Marcus, get some for him, and it's a, a foul going to be your stolen team. I cannot believe that this guy can't get on the field yet. I mean, college football is like a, a minor league system for the NFL. If you get drafted, you must have done something. You must be able to play and learn and read a playbook and all that stuff. Why is he playing foul if he's not hurt? Did he ask okay, if, I, I, if, if, if Farrell? I'm sorry, not to cut you off there, brother. Did he, did he say Farrell? Was he talking about Cleveland? Yeah, I think that's what he said. I, I didn't, could barely hear him. He was breaking up as well. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, Cleve's been fighting to get on the field. I know there was a back issue uh, that uh, that was holding him back late in training camp and uh, seemed to have carried over into the into the regular season. But the fact fact of the matter is, uh, Lincoln, there's guys that are just playing better than he is right now, and you know the. Yeah. It might circle back to him at some point, probably will, um, and he needs to be ready. And he, he did get uh, some snaps on Sunday against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but he just needs to keep playing and playing hard. And right now, the Raiders have some guys that are playing really good football uh, that are playing his same position. So that's just the way that goes. Uh, back out to the Raider Nation listener line, Raider Rock in South Korea. How you doing, Raider Rock? Hi, how are you? Um, first off, before, uh, before I ask my question or make my comment, I just wanted to say I really enjoy uh, the show, Vinny, and, and Lincoln, I appreciate uh, you on the radio show. I've been an admirer since your college days as a UCLA fan. Um, I actually, admirer is probably a lie. I hated you, but once you got drafted to the Raiders, then, then you know what happens. But, yeah, um, certainly. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, for, for my eye test, it looks like, uh, uh, Abrams have, have played a lot better since, uh, since he came onto the system. But, uh, Damon Arnett seems to be having problems. I mean, I, I know he was primarily a, a man-to-man guy and now he's in a zone system. Um, Vinny Lincoln, I, I was wondering whether you, 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 you see the capability for him to adjust and become a, a a meaningful contributor or, you know, sometimes the system isn't right for the player. So, you know, is, is it, is, is it a case where he may never really fit into the system? And, and I'll let you guys, uh, speak on that. Thank you. I appreciate that, uh, Raider Rock in, uh, South Korea. Well, look at, um, Right now, much like Cleve Farrell, there's just better players that are playing in front of uh, David Arnett at cornerback. Casey Hayward is one of the highest-ranked uh, cornerbacks in the NFL. Trayvon Mullen is, is doing his thing. And I think um, it might be beneficial for Damon right now to just be able to kind of ease back into things and learn and observe and develop. We, we, we're, we're so quick to write these guys off. Lincoln. Um, and look, if Casey Hayward wasn't here and playing the way he's playing, then Damon Arnett would be out there and we would have a better idea of where he is. I thought he played okay on Sunday. There was one long pass that was given up, but I mean, my gosh, he was where he needed to be. The other guy made a great play. It was a great throw. Uh, there were some people on Twitter who said that Damon got pushed off on, so maybe that played a little bit of a role. But aside from that, there were also two good plays that he made. So you know, let's just see where this all goes for him as he learns and is able to develop kind of not necessarily behind the scenes, but certainly not in on, on the high wire act of being a starting quarterback in the NFL, Lincoln. 
Last year, they were they had Damon Arnett out of position, in my opinion. They were playing yeah. a lot of cover six. They were playing quarters. They were playing a lot of things that, re, that are zone, basically essence zones. This year, the outside corners are more in a press man. And as you mentioned, Damon Arnett did well in, in his, when Casey Hayward went out and was cramping. I uh, had to get an IV or whatever. Um, he did do well for those plays. He's, he's much better suited for the system that he's under now. He's playing now. And I think he's going to get he's going to grow. Um, they didn't. They said he didn't really have an impressive camp, from what I, I heard. But at the same point, it, it's his second year in the league. So last year he was out of position, playing out of position, out of scheme. This year he's he's more where he should be, and I think he'll be fine. Real quick, we'll go to Charles in Kentucky. How you doing? Oh, sorry about that, uh, Charles in Kentucky. If um, you, you're you can still hear us, call back tomorrow. I promise you, we will get you on. Uh, I want to say thanks to all of our guests. I want to say thanks to Lincoln Kennedy. Uh, I will uh, talk to you on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium, yep. and then we'll reconvene Tuesday uh, of next week. Damon Cotton, thanks for everything you do. You know we always appreciate it. Thank you to the listeners. Uh, we're, you are why we do this, uh, and we truly appreciate it. Remember, tomorrow I will be at the Treasure Island, uh, the Golden Circle Sportsbook. Saturday, 5 o'clock, Q uh, Myers and I will be over at uh, the Rockstar Bar and Grill, our traditional uh, uh, day-before-game-day spot, uh, and we're going to hang out with all the fans, listen to some great music, uh, give away some stuff, uh, eat some great food, have some great drinks, and just have a lot of fun. Uh, until tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m., have a great night. Enjoy the game. We will talk to you tomorrow.